Hello and welcome back to Turf Talk. It's the first episode since a relatively uneventful derby. Aidan O'Brien, a son of Galileo, wins a derby. What's there to mention with that? Hmm. Uh, as per usual, I'm joined by Mr. Big Jim Watson. Mr. Hello. Big Jim? That's an introduction. Is that what he's in the <laughs> It certainly doesn't say that. Uh, and a member of the Turf Talk 12 team, it's freelance racing journalist Matt Rennie. Hello boys, how are we doing? Good to have you on with us Matt, yeah I'm doing well yourself. Thank you, I'm very good mate, it's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, as per usual I am I am Lewis Tomlinson. Uh, <laughs> still? Be you through. Yeah I am, I'm, I still am Jim, even after this weekend I still am just about <laughs> any been sense been of identity after, after what we saw at the weekend. It's uh, been a scarf weekend for all of us hasn't it? Oh, mate, I'm questioning everything. I'm questioning everything. Not I'm necessarily a... for me. Oh, well, we'll get on to that. Obviously, the place to start is the derby at Epsom. Not the Epsom derby. We don't want everyone crying. Uh, won, of course, by the 25-1 to 1 outsider, Aidan O'Brien's fourth-string fourth serpentine, beating Khalifa sat second at 50s. Nice one there for the podcast. And 66-1 to one in third, Oren Nafain. Oren Nafain, we'll, we'll have a go. Uh, Jim got the 1-2-3, but that was on his pace map. <laughs> and that's that's pretty much how the race unfolded. There's been lots of strong opinions about the derby this week. Uh, Mr James Watson, your thoughts, sir? Um... I, I was right. I did get it right on my pace map, didn't I? The first, the front three that I had did end up staying there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say it was as much as a shambles as many people would say. Um, it was obviously a very good ride by Emmett McNamara. He, he got an easy lead out in front. He didn't exactly break as, as well as I was expecting him to either. He, he got rousted along for a couple of strides. Uh, soon got in, got, in a, got in a rhythm out in front. And at the seven furlong pole, he sort of just kicked on a bit. Um, and the sectionals showed that, really. Um, that was The seven furlong was the, the quickest out of them all, 12.88. And then he, he slowly increased it into that, into the 11 second furlongs as we, as we go on. And his last two furlongs were the slowest in the whole of the race, which showed that that little kick early on took, took it out completely. It, I mean... it. Looking at it, it probably wasn't the prettiest of races for racing fans to watch, but I quite enjoyed it. And I like the fact that Emmett McNamara grabbed the bull by the horns and, and, and took the lead and, and went clear. I mean, 10 out of 10 for him. Um, however, maybe if it had gone another way, the horse still maybe would have been there. Um, I, I'm, I'm still, I still think there could be races to win with Serpentine. We've seen in previous Derby winners that they've not gone on to win any other grade ones or been as impressive. However, maybe this this year they just completely got it wrong. Uh, English King and Russian Emperor on the clock, uh, clocked the quickest two uh, last three furlongs. Um, so I, I thought that was worth taking note of. They're probably going to be the best of the rest of them behind. A puzzling, puzzling race. I don't know what you thought of it, Matt. Uh, I'm probably in the wholeheartedly in the same camp with you. All I would say with Serpentine is last week after his maiden win at the Curra, Aidan O'Brien was talking into about him being a St. Ledger horse. So 
it wouldn't have been no shock to see him staying on, especially the way he did in the derby, which might reflect mildly badly on some of the jockeys. I just think we've run into quite a very progressive and classy winner in the circumstances against some nice horses. I don't know whether the form will stack up. As you said, it's it's a really puzzling race. Um, I don't know if Kameko wholly stayed or not. I thought he just plugged on rather than made a, a realistic challenge. But I think you shouldn't be taking anything away from the winner at this stage. And he'll, it'll be interesting to see where they place him next. Of course, we've already had the Irish Derby, so they won't be going that way. I think he could be O'Brien's main St. Ledger horse, and it wouldn't be the biggest shock in the world to see him back up in that race. Matt, if, if they ran the Derby again tomorrow, knowing what we know now and having seen what we saw on Saturday, would you back Serpentine? Serpentine, I keep calling him Serpentine, that's not how you say the word. <laughs> I can't be moaning about people saying Lazuli wrong and then saying another word wrong myself. Uh and do you think he'd, uh, who do you think would go off favourite? And would Serpentine win it again? <laughs> uh, I've just, just touched on that. That's all right, pronunciation, CNG. You got the third place horse very nearly correct on your first go as well, so that was impressive. Um, I still think English King probably would have gone off the favourite given the, the form, given Frankie de Tory being on board, and also Kameko would have gone off favourite, but I dare say he would have been more of a, a 10 to 1 chance this time around. In fact, in any other year, with the profile he's got of being just a maiden winner, he would have likely gone off a bigger price in a normal, normal, normally run derby, which then would have been even more of a shock. But I'd have said, it, 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 in this instance, we knew it was going to happen, probably about 16 to 1 maybe. So it has still been a shock, but they should have really anticipated that he has been spoken of highly. Of course, he's a Galileo and he's, he's bred to stay. So it was. it's an interesting one. And I think it will remain one of race's biggest puzzles throughout the season. Jim, what do you think on that? If, if they run the race again tomorrow, does the winner win it again? Knowing, knowing what they do now, knowing how he's won it this time, would you expect him to confirm form? Because in my opinion, mate, using this race... Solely or as a as a barometer of the ability of the horses in it is practically worthless. Yeah, it's practically worthless. Serpentine is uh, you know it's clearly improved from what he did first time out. You know it, it was almost a carbon copy, but he was allowed to do that. He was allowed to do that, and it, look, I, I don't want to be too harsh on on the jockeys because it was a it was a mid race move from Emmett McNamara that won it. And obviously he's had to have a horse capable of doing of of doing such a move with effect. But he's completely and utterly decided the way this race goes. You know, yeah. the, every other jockey was riding on Emmett McNamara's terms. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't let him get away with it a second time. No. However, if you look at that race, and going back to that pace map that I made, if there was any other horse to go and kick on and try and catch him, there would have been certain questions on his stamina other than probably Russian Emperor, in my opinion. Maybe English King should have been ridden further forward, but if you look at his previous wins, he's been held up and he's come from the back to swoop late. So, And, and Russian Emperor the same. So the horses that you're expecting to, to push on and probably be a bit further forward than expect. I thought Pile Driver would be a lot closer than what he were and try, try and use more of it, his stamina. Maybe... 
I don't think there was anything in there. Maybe because the, I'm struggling to explain this because the derby this year seemed to be there wasn't a lot of pace and everything come from the back. I don't think if they ran it again, I, th- I still think he'd win because I don't think there'd be anything that they'd be confident enough to to stay as strongly and try and catch him. So, mate, would would you be overly critical then of of the Tory and Ryan Moore, given that their mounts came, you know, shaped well on the clock, coming home strongest of all, especially with the fact that they that they haven't finished ahead of Camico, who was confirmed. Oh, Murphy said didn't felt like he stayed the sectional, so just Camico doesn't fully get this trip. Have have the two highest profile jockeys in the race given their mounts bad rides? I don't think necessarily. I think Frankie more than Ryan Moore and Mogul because I, I think Heffernan possibly I, I'd be more critical on, and that's not because I backed Russian Emperor. I just felt like I've always been of the opinion after seeing him run last time that a mile and six would certainly not be out of his reach, um, and maybe with Mogul he just needed that other run to just tighten him up properly because he he still looked on the chunkier side. Um, even after looking like an absolute three-seater sofa at Ascot. I mean, I, I, w- I won't be as critical as many people are. I, I, f- I felt a bit sorry for Oshin Murphy, really, watching that video of him talking back, uh, which was great to see. But I felt a bit like I don't want to have let anyone down. I, I don't want any jockey to ever think that he's let anyone down after that. It doesn't. It's not the end of the world. I know it's not the end of the world, Jim, but it is... <laughs> Look, it's it's sporting, and I think it's fair to criticise if 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 you know when you feel someone has made a genuine mistake, a sheen gets it right a hell of a lot more than he's got it wrong. And I don't think he got it wrong on Saturday. If if you're on a horse with, uh, you know, with potential stamina doubts, you'd have been you'd have been a maniac to go out after Serpentine. So I, I don't I don't blame him for that. Matt, does the fact that it was Khalifa Saturn or in the fame, the ones to follow him home. Again, does does that mean the form lacks substance? Um, in some cases, yes. I think especially with the third, given he remains a maiden, and it's typically unheard of that a Derby third will remain a maiden. But I think Khalifa Sat almost he did go underappreciated, given a mystery started if went off at forty to one, and he was beaten by Khalifa Sat. Last time out in the cocked hat stakes at Goodwood, and Khalifa Sat showed a really good tendency and, and battling willingness to stay that day. So I think Khalifa Sat almost went under the radar. He would be the one for me that would look quite appreciative of, of stepping up for the St. Ledger trip next time out because he he was staying on at the end. So I think you can take the first two as being re- of okay horses. I'd like to see where Amran Nafin goes next, whether they. O'Brien targets him as a maiden or keeps him up in sort of stakes and pattern company, then that, I think his form might prove crucial to reflecting how good or up to scratch Derby we've had. Just touching on Kameko, I don't think Oshie Murphy really could have ridden him anything else, any, any way else, because in those first two furlongs, he was very, very keen and then did settle when he was held up. And that must have been a bit of a nightmare for him, especially in those circumstances. Uh, English King, he lost everything at the start, in my opinion, because he did, he did go markedly left. And coming from stall one, that was going to be hard enough anyway, then that's near enough mission impossible if if you're not going to break cleanly. Um, I, it's, it's, it's such a puzzling race. I think Khalifa Sat probably is 
a good group performer uh, to come. It's it's going to be very very interesting because we all crab the form of Wings of Eagles when he won his derby, but he almost replicated that next time out in a in a thrilling Irish derby. After that, it sort of has the same sort of going towards that instance for me. I think we 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 need to be careful with it, but in the future, I think we'll be looking back on this and thinking we should not let these two, the front two, go off at, at such prices that they were. No, I, I think that they're fair comments, and I think I think they were clearly both overlooked by the market. I can see why why they would have been. You know, we we liked Khalifa set on this podcast. They weren't as keen on Serpentine, but in we've we've the benefit of hindsight. Yeah, you you can you, you can make cases as as to why they would have both been overpriced. Matt, do you, if if you have a look after four furlongs, and Serpentine is where. Oren Nefane is, and Oren Nefane is at the front where Serpentine is after four furlongs. Is the result still the same? How much of it is down to tactics? Well, that's a, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I think a lot of it is down to tactics there because we all know Serpentine did take a take a breather uh, up towards at the top of the hill. I think in hindsight, Serpentine is much more of a classier horse than Oren Nefane. If Aron Avin was going to go on, I think he'd have been used as a pacemaker. But the way they rode him in that race suggests that they do think a bit of him. Of course, he's out of the 2012 Oaks winner was, so he's bred to be a really good performer. Maybe he's just taking time to come to hand. And with the derby where it was this year and, and such the unique circumstances, it might have actually played into his favour position-wise this time round. Um, in hindsight, probably I'd say Serpentine is just a, a good horse and he probably would still have got one in, in the circumstances. I don't uh, it's, it's quite hard to judge Amran Naveen, especially still being a maiden. If he was to win next time out quite cosily in whatever company that is, then it, there might be arguments to say that he, he might have gone even further, even closer if he was ridden more prominently as well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, mate. I'm, I'm glad you've brought up, brought up the pedigrees. I, I think he's a brother rather than a son to Was. Uh, or in a fan, but I'm not having people saying, oh, well, you know, Serpentine's really well-bred, or oh, we should have expected it. They all are. It's a derby. They all are. He's he's a son of an Oaks runner-up. The second is a, is, a, is a brother to a St. Ledger runner-up. And the third's the brother, the third, who is a maiden, he's a, he's a brother to an Oaks winner. They're all, they're all really well-bred. I'm not having people use that as an argument for why we should have expected Serpentine to perform well. Apart from Pile Driver, who's damn, we're getting Braid round Fontwell. Apart from apart from that, I'm I'm not having that as an argument as to why why we should have potentially expected this. Jim will Serpentine in another Group One this season? Yes or no? Straight answer. Yes. Matt. Yes. I'm going to say no. Just to be controversial. Tip is no. <laughs> you know what? No. Do you know what? I'm 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 more impressed now than I was on Saturday evening. Now I've had a look at some of this. Now I've had a bit more of a look into the sectionals. You know, he actually shapes very well. It's and the rides, the rides from the jockeys in behind. Whilst many of them don't shower themselves with any credit whatsoever, they're not as brain dead as they may have potentially first appeared in the ten minutes following the race. 
I, I, I think it's very, very hard to quantify exactly what this race was. It doesn't mean, and this doesn't mean I'm slating Serpentine. He's clearly very, very decent. You know, you, you have to, to sustain the gallop he did and to make them, and to quicken at the time when he was asked to quicken is, is impressive. However, he was allowed to do that by the race panned out, by the, by the way the race panned out. And he also had the element of surprise. You know what I mean? He's never going to be able to do this again, in my opinion. And whilst I could see him, you know, potentially going well in something like a St. Ledger, it's, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be wanting to back him to back it up. I don't think the best horse in the Derby won this. I think he potentially might be the third or fourth best horse. But I'd expect by the end of the season, Kamako and the English King will both be rated higher than him. Yeah, I, I do think Kamako is the best horse in the race. I just don't. I've, I've said it from when we previewed the race the other way. I, I was a hundred percent sure he wasn't going to stay, and and that was clear to see. I'd love to see Serpentine at uh, the Breeders' Cup. Round, I think he's at Keelan this year. Round them bends. If he can get on that lead and dictate that pace, he could be dangerous. You're as bad as Annie's from Melbourne, you. <laughs> Don't you dare put me in that bracket, ever. <laughs> Go on, Matt. Sorry. I was just saying, I've just, it just brought up memories. Jim just brought up memories there of when uh, Shamey did that on Highland Reel at Santa Anita all them years ago on, yeah. on the front. That's, um, God, if you can predict that, I tell you what, you're, you're an absolute genius if he can do that. Um, I'd agree that Kamiko is he's the best horse in the race, and I think he's almost enhanced his profile to, to he did stay on a little bit but to race and finish fourth when an evidence not really getting the trip he's done quite well to, to finish on in fourth it was interesting to hear afterwards the day after Aidan O'Brien spoke still spoke very fondly of Mogul and he does still think there's more to come <clears> him I just don't know where I would go with him next that's going to be quite an interesting one to go with but also just just on a just on a quick sort of um down a different avenue. The 2000 Guineas form is reflecting the Derby by Kamiko is, is not really stacking up as the best. That would be my only concern this season, saying if he's going to be rated higher than Serpentine and English King, that would be my only concern. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I said that uh, after Royal Ascot. I didn't think that 2000 Guineas was as good as, as what we were expecting. I think most of the field were slightly disappointing in some aspects at Royal Ascot. And I know the St James's Palace probably backed that form up slightly. However, I, I didn't think the ones even be, behind them were even that good. Yeah, I'm 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 glad that we all agree that as it stands, Kamiko, we think he's the best horse in this derby. You know, I guess I guess he he won the race out of those that never actually were put into a chance to win the race. You know, coming home in fourth because for for an, a mile and a half. There were only three horses who were ever in a position where they could have won it, and 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 that speaks volumes to the quality of Emmett McNamara's ride that he was able to take out thirteen other horses, you know, tactically absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned English King at the start as well. There, Matt Chapman ruling saying that it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's not look. It's not the be all and end all. Horses will win the Derby from stall one, but it is definitely a negative. You have to, you know, good enough horses will overcome it, but it, it is clearly a negative. I can't believe 
people were pretending that it wasn't and pretending that it doesn't matter. You know, the statistics and the data are there. They're clear. It's not it's not a positive. You can you know, you can see exactly why it isn't with English King. He dives out to his left and he's already on the back foot. Good enough horses will overcome it and horses will win the derby from stall one. But you know, People are trying to argue, people are trying to argue against basic fact before the race, and it it does my head in. It's it's clearly it's clearly not a positive. Uh, but he he shaped really really well. I retain a fair bit of faith in Russian Emperor as well. Again, who who won the sectionals clocked it very very tidily. But look, it's, it was a, a memorable derby. I'd, if you could describe it in one word, Jim, what would you what would you call it? I I retweeted it on, on the racing post, and I put memorable. Memorable. I'd say unsatisfactory. What about you, Matt? Uh, perplexing. That's perplexing. Bang on. It was just, my, my mind was frazzled after it, and it still remains slightly frazzled now. <laughs> I, I started clapping. <laughs> As he won, and I'm thinking, what am I doing? I've not had a single penny on him, and I'm really happy that he's won. I, I think it was just enterprising ride was what made, I, I, I really enjoyed the race. I thought it was great. I was the same. I was. I think it's about three furlongs out, just before Richard Hoyle started getting concerned yeah. about Serpentine. I went. I went. Oh God, he's he's nicked it here. But I even I think for we got a lot of viewers for the Derby game, which is brilliant that our sports being advertised in a good way. They'll see that ride as as more of a simple ride, and the shocking element of the race as well will actually stand out in the memory more to people, and could actually get them more interested in racing via that sort of the mm. way that they'll remember that shocking. Right, not 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 shocking ride. Of course, it wasn't. It was a brilliant ride, but the shock element of the, this derby. Yeah, my, my, I watched it with mum and dad, and they're not avid racing fans. But my mum were like, He's, "They're not going to catch him." Like that made that made her exciting. The, the race more exciting for her, even though she doesn't love it as much as I do. Oh, I just felt like someone had punched me, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I wasn't in your house when the race was on. I've been looking forward to it. I know. Do you know what? I, look, it, th- th- that was that was my initial reaction to the race, and you know, with 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 hindsight, you, you can see you can see why why it panned out the way it did. But my, my initial reaction to the race is, Jesus Christ! The cool more pacemakers won the derby, and the second cool more pacemaker has finished third. Jesus Christ! There's one there's one rule I think I'm taking out of this and that is for every race there is no such thing as a designated pacemaker for Coolmore anymore. <laughs> Correct. We, and we saw that in the Chris Cook article on the Guardian the other day. There is no team tactics in no Brian said and I now I, I stick with him. Which team- now brings us nicely on to passion. In the Alps. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, oh, does, anyone, does anyone want to mention anything else on the dab before we talk about the best horse we've seen this weekend? Uh, no. Vatican City will be better at a mile. He he didn't race all too badly during that race. He's still relatively inexperienced, and I expect him to do better over shorter, preferably over a mile, I'd say. Very, very fair comment, that Matt. Very fair. He remains a lovely prospect, to be fair, Vatican City, if I can actually say his name. Uh, we move on then to the Oaks, and I say my jaw were on the floor for the Derby. It was on the floor for a hell of a lot of a better reason. When Love did what she did, bolted up in the Oaks. Jim, I've got a new favourite horse on the flat. 
Whoa, whoa, don't you go stealing my favourite horse from the flat now. Come on, I've been a massive fan of love pre-season going into the season, and she's showing the class that she's got. Um, absolutely destructive performance. They went a fair clip, didn't they? Um, Passion set the race up with uh, Tiempo Vuela, uh, the, the, which I didn't know was the other colours of Oppenheim, uh, Anthony Oppenheim, which is, I think it was his wife's colours. Um, they set off the fair tempo. And if anything, I thought the quicker the go, the more that will suit Frankly Darling. However, I, w- I was quite clearly wrong. Uh, Travelled into the race I wouldn't say smoothly, just a little niggle along round Tottenham Corner just to let her to tell her to where to go. Soon sets off and an absolutely destructive turn of pace uh, between the two furlong and one furlong, which completely killed the race. And you saw that she changed her legs in the final furlong because she was sort of hanging into it, uh, the camber, which is, you see it happen a lot at Epsom. Um, however, very, very good performance from her. Um, all the last seven furlongs that she ran was faster than Serpentine in all of them. So that says it all. Uh, we've got a possible arc winner. Give, uh, give, get your money on. She's a superstar and she's she's out looking for an able. It is worth mentioning at the same time that Serpentine went quicker than Tampa Voila for the first seven as well. You know, so it's it's not it that that kind of makes. Not makes love sound a bit less impressive, but it's worth putting that into putting Serpentine's the early stages of his race into context. You know what I mean, mate? Mm-hmm. Just just so that he doesn't look vastly inferior to love on on this one. I think he is vastly inferior to her, though, mate. Uh, what about you, Matt? Oh, she's she's a fantastic filly, isn't she? I wouldn't I wouldn't go as far as saying she's my favourite, but she she's definitely pushing it so far. I was I I went down to Devil's Dyke for the guineas for the one thousand guineas day and you're far off but with your binoculars you can see enough and from from where we were she did at the start she looked like the finish article she raced like the finish article in that race throughout and I was impressed with her but this this was another step up into a in a, to a different dimension James was right she was being she was being a niggled, niggled longer in Tatnam Corner and then all of a sudden she found this stride coming into the home straight and just ate up the ground in milliseconds it was fantastic and Ryan did the right thing in letting her drift across to the to the rail to almost stop Ennis Simon from having a, almost a realistic chance of getting involved but in reality she's never getting involved it was an absolutely fantastic performance from Love and it's a brilliant training performance from Aidan O'Brien I know that's cliche now but she obviously wasn't the finished article last year despite getting a group one in the Moigler stud stakes but this year she's just bloomed into this fantastic mare and she she will be very, very hard to beat in the arc. Uh, Ennis Steinman's reversed the form with Frankly Darling. I think that will be more down to the track more than anything. I think it's a concern when you see the jockey, especially one of Frankie Tory's calibre, pulling Frankly Darling right out into the centre of, of the track to try and avoid the steep gradient. And I was just reading the comments after the race. They said she was unsuited by the track herself. I think Frankly Darling's got better days to come, whether she's a Group 1 winner especially with Starcatcher still in training for the owner and trainer and jockey combination, I don't know. But I think it's more of time to appreciate the, the victory. That is a superstar performance. And I hope she's kept in training next year as well. I know it's really early to say that, especially with Coolmore, but she could be something else. Matt, looking ahead with Love, 
would you aim at Ark or Ledger? Oh, in in the immediate aftermath of the race when we're all on that adrenaline, I said St. Ledger. And I think it'd be brilliant if she went there because she she's definitely got the pedigree and, and the form to emulate oh so sharp. And it's been a long time coming. And we know the, the Coolmore lads are sporting enough. We saw what they did with Camelot back in 2012. But given the way Serpentine won his, won his derby, not St. Ledger, he could be aimed more at Doncaster now. And in fact, that's probably hindered Love's chances. I suspect she will go... your. Uh, not Yorkshire Oaks, Irish Oaks next and have a mid-season break and then maybe test her credentials out at Longchamp in the Prix-Vermai and then go to the Arc. This is the problem with Aiden O'Brien. He's got so many riches that he can divide them up because we forget about Magical as well. So Love's in that category with Magical Magical now. It's going to be a difficult one. I think it's more 70-30 against going to St. Ledger at this stage, which I think is a shame. I'd love to see her at Doncaster because she, she showed no signs of stopping in Epson. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I had minor doubts about something. I did end up going going with Ennis Timon, who I thought I thought ran a lovely race. And again, I'm not having people saying that this this is a weak Oaks, a small field Oaks. Adding five more 100 to 105 rated fillies doesn't make it any better. I am I am convinced there is there is very very little difference in the quality of of a. Uh, Eddie's time and there is of the likes of, you know, Tar Fasher and other horses like that in the past who, who we've seen placed in the Oaks recently. I'm not having that it was a poor renewal. Uh, but what what I will have with Love is that I'd, I'd be building from Ark backwards, personally. I'd be with you, Matt. But I don't, I don't particularly see why you couldn't go St. Ledger en route. They did it with Capri. I think Capri was fifth in the arc the year he won the ledger, so it, it, it wouldn't be so. Coolmore have done it before. Did, I think Camelot ran in an arc as well after he was he beaten did. by okay, mm-hmm. in the ledger. So maybe maybe that could be a maybe that could be a possibility. What would I you have to do, uh, Jim? Go on, Matt. What were you going to say? Sorry, first? I, I think I th- I think they've got Camelot in their mind still regarding the St. Ledger and the way that ended up, and also. That it was detrimental to his art chances in hindsight back in 2012. Probably not to the same extent with Capri, but I'm sure that's on the owner and Aidan O'Brien's mind. Yeah, um, I, I I agree with what you two have said already. You took in Santiago into that as well, who who won the Irish 2000, who looks like Stephen. Yeah, uh, sorry, Irish Derby will certainly suit, and we saw him at Ascot look looking like a staying prospect. Um, I think, like Lewis said, you work back from the arc because she's going to be special. And Aidan O'Brien keeps talking about, don't forget international races because of the money. The money's a lot better in, in around the globe. And you'd think that such a professional and big outlet like them, that money would be no option to them. But that seems to be what gets Colmar going and yeah, wouldn't rule her out sending a, another one. Breeders' Cup mentioned number two on this podcast. We've only had two races um, and I, I wouldn't rule her out from going going abroad. That's interesting, mate. Why, is there anywhere in mind you'd have abroad? Not off the top of my head. I'd go Philly and Met. Uh, yeah. Well, that'd be fun, wouldn't it? That's, that's where I'd be... Th- 
where I'd be edging towards. Um, that'd be the more obvious one, wouldn't it? Yeah, mate. That I, I can see that completely. So it's the sort of thing you, you'd get the feeling the Cornwall lads might be well up for as well. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to take from the Oaks, James? Yeah, I thought Queen Daenerys went better than I was expecting. Um, she, she might be able to pick up a Group Three listed race with her. Uh, I think it was a the, the rest of the field were quite poor, but the front three are exceptional. I think. Well, not well. Of course, the the first one was exceptional, but the other two aren't bad. Yeah, that, that's very fair, mate. I, I I I think we've seen an absolute superstar filly beat two fillies who I think connections. I know Franklin Darling has already won a Group Two this season. Ennis Timon's probably a, a useful Group Two filly, the sort of one that could win a Lancashire Oaks if you know if her last name was De Vega. Uh, or, you know, and uh, frankly, Darling is capable at that level as well. Uh, Matt, anything else for you on the Oaks? Not as of yet. I thought Ennis Diamond, they might try and get a group race with her against a name for some black type next. So maybe something like the Munster Oaks. I can't remember which, what the name of the race is. In Cork in August, there's a group three of a, a mile and a half. I don't know whether they might think about dropping her to that class to try and get some black type against the name. I think it will be quite difficult to place, frankly, Darling next time around, especially with no Royal Ascot now. They'll have a naval, obviously, for the Yorkshire Oaks. I cannot think of many Phillies-only races. Would they be rather tempted to drop her back to the Nassau, maybe? That that could be interesting. That could be interesting, a drop-backing trip. Uh, I She's think keen enough, isn't she? As well, wasn't it? she? She definitely is. She's She's much keen enough, which would suggest Going back in trip will do no harm, but that's a bit of a headache with her as well, especially with with the, the upcoming fillies that John Gosden will have racing this week as well that might be aiming towards Goodwood as well. It's it's a, it's a difficult one. I'm going to segue segue this into the eclipse and say, imagine she turns up in the Yorkshire Oaks against Enable after her run on Sunday. Who were you with, Matt? Oh, that's a that's a um, that's a head and heart situation. I think head would potentially say love because she's still got so much progression left in her profile, even still at this stage. Heart would obviously say enable is on track at York last year, working when she won, and it was it was fantastic, and she put magical in her place. But enable will be coming off the back of that no matter what, whether she wins at Ascot in the King George or not, off the back of a hard race and won't be fully wound up, as it's all about the arc this year. So everything would probably point towards Love, who seems like one of the most straightforward horses I've in training and I've ever seen, really. Yeah, so professional, so good, lovely to look at. I'm such a sucker for a white face. Uh, Jim, what about you, mate? Enable or Love, York, August? There's a new filly on the block, and her name's Love. I, I, I can't. I, I'm. I'm in. I'm actually in love. <laughs> I, I. I think she. As I. I used to enable on a three or four year old career. I absolutely adored. However, and and I know that flat horses often get a bit of stick for not being around as long as jump horses, for example. However, I'm beginning to feel a bit worn out with a naval. I thought last season was probably the place to end it, if anything. 
Um, not saying that she shouldn't run this season because it's great to see see her and she's got such a big fan club. But I, I'm feeling like new legs are going to get go past her now, and in the nicest possible way. I, I think I think she might not be as good as what she has been previously. Interesting. So moving on to the Eclipse, enable defeated by Gaff. Jim, you were right. I was wrong. For first time in about six months, really. Um, great performance by Gaff. I, I thought William Buick executed the ride perfectly. He didn't exactly go out as fast as we were all expecting. Um, there wasn't much pace. Did we sort of tried to go f- forward? And I was thinking, what the hell is going on here? However. Gayarth ended up making all, set the fractions perfect in front and slowly increased the tempo. And and the question marks about stepping down in two furlongs, I didn't personally see anything wrong with it. I thought he had the turn of pace for no matter what, uh, because I thought most of the horses in this race are probably better at a mile and four. And Japan and Enable, we've seen the, the two closest to the front of the market were wanted further in trip. So... I had no issues with him stepping down because I knew that he had the the gears to move up and down the speeds. I, I thought it was a really, really nice performance. And it, and it shows that Gayarth can back up as well. We've seen in the past he's put up a monster performance and then he's disappointed the next time. And he's also sort of put his standpoint on he is a Group 1 horse. And there's a lot of questions that have been made about him in the last couple of months that... Is he just a good international horse? Because after that victory in Germany, um, however, I think this has stumped him at the the head of English one mile two one mile four division now. Yeah, do you know what, mate? For at least six furlongs of that race, I thought it was going to pan out exactly how I thought it was. You know the the. <laughs> I was I was worried that Gaff wouldn't be able to outgallop his rivals, which is how I saw him as being, you know, his main form of attack. You just go out there and he can sustain a ridiculous speed for a ridiculous length of time. But that ridiculous speed, I thought, came over a mile and a half against slower horses, and I thought it'd be harder to replicate over this trip. And turning for home, I still was confident Enable was going to pick him up. But fair play to him, mate. He stuck it out really well, and and like you said, he's he's becoming a very hard horse to knock this year, Matt. Yeah, he's almost near perfect now. I think I was proven wrong drastically by this result because I thought even the month gap between the Coronation Cup and the Eclipse wasn't going to be enough for him. He's proven me incredibly wrong there. Enable just she she definitely needed it, and she lacked her instinctive kick to two furlongs from home I think Charlie Appleby's worked wonders with this horse especially to keep him in training as a five-year-old as well when we all know Godolphin, Coolmore they rotate around Bloodstock and and Stallions as well they obviously must think there's still significantly more significantly more to come from him this season fantastic ride from William Buick to dictate matters the way he did he didn't go out all guns blazing from the front and and he's, he's he's taken the race by the horns there Fantastic horse. I know they've said that they're going to go to the Judmont with him next, and that should be no problem. In fact, he could even put a bigger monster performance around the Navesmire, given how flat it is and his running style, which it could be an absolute, it could be a history making sort of performance by Gayath there. The ones in behind Japan, 
he's just struggling to find his feet this season so far, but he might have a good opportunity to get a group one in his system next time out. I'm guessing that they might want to run him in the Tattersall's Gold Cup at the Curragh, given it's been rearranged and it's in its den and for its new date, and it will be a significantly easier task getting a group one against his name as an older horse rather than going for the King George. But I think everything's got to be focused on the winner here. He's almost the, the perfect picture now, and it's almost scary to think what he can do later on in this season and hopefully again next season. Do you know what, boys? I, I do think John Gosden has the horse to beat Gayaf. I think the turn of foot Lord North possesses would be the most... Oh, no. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. no. banging on about Lord North. Give Gayaf the credit he deserves. Please. I'm not. Jim, I have. I have. But Lord North has a better turn of foot than Enable. I know, but Gayaf's got a better turn of foot than Lord North. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if a horse if a horse is capable of beating him, I think it would be Lord North. I, I, I think Lord North's style is you know doesn't particularly complement the way Gayaf runs. Gayaf is a is a galloper who can out gallop horses. You know what I mean? Lord, you know Lord North is a quickener rather than a galloper, and if. If I were to fancy a horse to turn Gayaf over this season, and I'm not saying Lord North is better than Gayaf, but I think he'd be an interesting and a different type of rival to anything he faced in the Eclipse. No, not for me at all. I, I, I want to see Lord North back up that performance from Ascot because I'm 100% sure that he wouldn't have won that race five times out of ten. Oh, mate, I think I cannot believe you, you're that confident. Do, do you think Lord North would... And be enable over, over say the eclipse trip then. No, really. No, I'm, I'm genuinely. I, I think Japan would have beaten uh, Lord North if if he'd have run on Sunday. Oh, I'm not having that, Matt. What are your thoughts on Lord North? Do you, do you see him as a potential rival for Gayaf going forward? Um, potentially, but give give heavy ground against Gayaf and Lord North. Adair beats them all. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> If it's a bog, if it's a bogger, if it's a bogger ascot in October, you'd have your money on Adieb now. You would. Happy days, I like that, and it can we can see it happening as well. We can see it happening. Uh, other stuff to talk to mention this weekend. Uh, Ali proved once again that he wants about four furlongs. We did it really well from Liberty Beach. Pulled the red off once again. Went off a very big price, Harley. I felt, in in hindsight, twelve to one was a, a little bit of a gift from the bookies. Bearing in mind, he's never once looked like a six furlong horse, and he got a horrendous run for Rob Newcastle back on turf and back at a trip that suited him. He's done that well. Uh, Dashi Willoughby's quite a good stayer in the Europa League of stayers, uh, and he he he's probably not far off. Him and Nyef Road are probably not far off the best of them. Interesting. Form boost as well there for log- from Logician as well. More uh, horses from the Ledger coming out and running well. Did Latashi will be running the Ledger? Have I invented that? Who knows? Don't care. Uh, anything else for either of you boys? Not load. Um, not much to say apart from Logician must be a very, very, very good horse to win over one mile six and now they're going to campaign over one mile two but still beat 
an above average <laughs> prop of status last season. <laughs> they must think they must think the world of him at that distance. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, from the weekend, main. I, I was impressed with Gussie Mack in the first of the uh, uh, at Sandown. They went a fair clip, significantly travelled like he has in every single race and looking like he was going to win, and was picked up by Gussie Mack, who was really game under pressure. I really liked his performance. Uh, proper put his neck down and, and challenged. And Montatham, uh, the other one in the Coral Challenge, uh, we saw that he was possibly a tad unlucky at Ascot, being in, more towards the middle of the track uh, in the Hunt Cup. Uh, he got some consolation in the Coral Challenge, just getting the better of Dark Vision. He just held on in the end. He didn't pick up as quickly as a, as I thought he would. However, uh, maybe that Ascot race just took a bit more out of him than uh, William Haggis thought. And what else for me? Uh, just one from quick one from Nace on Saturday. I did the card for Nace, and of course, Art Power was again really, really impressive in the last race. Where would you go with him now, given his profile? And I hopefully expect to keep them keep him in training next season. Would you make the step up towards the Nunthorpe this early in his career? It, it, being Tim Easterby, I would. I'd go for it. You can get weird results in the Nunthorpe. I don't see why you wouldn't. Exactly. That's what that was my thoughts. I just I didn't know if he would they would they would be willing to risk him at this stage as well. And just a quick shout out for Save Voyage on um, Saturday as well. He's a bit of a legend of a horse as well, and he, yeah. he deserved that win in the Surrey Stakes. He's in the El Astronauta camp of bit of a legend. Oh, um, they're so likable, aren't they? John Quinn getting his a, a thousandth winner up this weekend. Yeah, and what what a horse to do it with Save Voyage, hard as nails. You'd love to have you'd love to have him and El Astronaut. Uh Summergand won today as well. I know uh, the the end is the end is nice, surely. Even he managed to get, yeah, he, he tried his best towards the end to lose though. Yeah, I'm having a break from tip uh, from betting this week and it's the only time he goes and wins. <laughs> I love a bit of Summergand. Good good jumps racing back as well, speaking of horses who are just cool as fuck. Kept Peregrine won. Oh what a boy. Getting a job than the Henriette Chase uh, this evening in the recording Tuesday night. And also the Summer Cup, a good big handicap staying chase. What we live for, Minella Celebration just getting up in the end. He's another proper grafter of a horse. Loves it in the summer, glad to see him get a win. And Pondus uh, won today as well. Did he? Finally got yeah. his head in front enlisted company uh, well, on he... heavy ground. What Exactly what he wants and he finally finally prevailed. Got to be Melbourne now, mate. With them connections, certainly. Oh, Melbourne, it's too early. It's too early. <laughs> We've gone global this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring us a bit more local, mate, and we'll, we'll have a look ahead to the racing over the next few days. Uh, obviously, we'll, we'll touch on, well, not touch on, we'll, we'll discuss the July meeting after, but the place to start is the Dante Stakes. It's a little bit weird that it's here. Uh, the group two over a mile and two furlongs for three-year-old Colts. It's at York on Thursday this year. It's normally in May, obviously. Uh, highest ground, though. A best price, 10, 11 to 10 favourite. 13 to 2, Cormorant and Thunderous. 8, Almadar and Juan Elcano. 12 to 1, Encipher. Jim, you absolutely love the favourite and he should win this. Yeah, really Lovely son of Frankel, who, who defied a slow break on his debut, uh, rattled home at Leicester, 
stepped up to a mile and two last time at Haydock on against Volconig. Very good performance. The purple clear of the field. He was niggled along, looking slightly green to just go and get on the quarters of uh, of Volconig, and uh, he, he soon learnt on the job and kicked away from him. I think. I think it's interesting that they're keeping him at a mile and two because I was always of the opinion that maybe a mile and four might have suited him. If they thought that the distance might have struggled, I thought they would have run him in the derby, maybe going for a mile and four because I've been of that opinion. But interesting they kept him here. Very good piece of placement from Sir Michael Stout. Um, Oshie Murphy rides in now because I think Ryan Moore will be riding at the July meeting. I think Oshie Murphy said that on an interview yesterday. He said, Ryan might be riding him, depending on what's going on at Newmarket. Um, but this boy is a superstar, and hopefully he can get a Group 2 to his name and, and onto bigger and better things. Yeah, I'm with you on the fact that I think he's straight out of the top draw. Uh, Matt, are you making it a hat-trick for highest ground this week? Oh, most certainly. I think this is another typically perfect bit of placement from Sir Michael Stout and in fact it's probably they've done really really well to avoid the temptations of running in the derby because that could have bottled him out for a very very long time he sort of he doesn't have the same profile but they could have gone the way they did with Ulysses or them years ago yeah uh, well not years ago three years ago (laughs) and they got Ulysses back to being a top class performer belatedly it feels like they're going to take this one Time race by race and time by time and nurture him into a top-class superstar. Look, I was so impressed with him, the way he ran last time out. And Volkonig, we all know, he was tipped for the Derby earlier this year, but he's a, he's a fairly useful yardstick with some of the horses he's been running into recently. And this is almost the perfect positioning to have the Dante for him right now before, hopefully, going up to one mile four furlong next time. The only other horse that I could see running him close would be Thunderous. But he was, it was a, a weirdly run race for him last time around because he was being ridden along six furlongs out in the fairway stakes at Newmarket. Mm. And he did stay on. And he was almost, by the time they'd hit the dip, was given a, an educational ride by Ryan Moore. And I think that will serve him better because he did come off that on, off a long absence. But he would be more, the only sort of slight worry towards highest ground. But I think this guy is going to be a top superstar as well. Yeah, he's, he's basically Ulysses 2.0, isn't he? Oh, I wouldn't be yeah, surprised. Yeah, I think it'll go even further. Yeah. yeah. I, and hopefully we'll see him in four, four-year-old, five-year-old campaigns. We've been questioning where's Comer and Lewis. This is where he is. <laughs> this is where he is, yeah. I mean, does, does, is it not a negative in itself that they didn't run him in a derby after he won the Derrings Town? <laughs> You'd certainly think, wouldn't everything you? In a derby. So they even ran us order Australia in two derbies. And he's amazing. <laughs> they not run Cormorant in any... It seems to me very much like they weren't expecting him to win the Derrystown. Russian Emperor, was, it was all about that for him that day, and it was a little bit of a uh, Nico de Boinville, down a blue job. Uh, <laughs> I expect him to get beat here. The one I'd be with, if if to chase highest ground home, would be Almadar, the Richard Allen horse. Like him with Dane O'Neill on board, hopefully to continue the brilliant season. That Sheikh Hamdam is having... Uh, He's the one who beat Alsa Hale, is it, uh, uh, on debut? Mm-hmm. That was a very, very tidy performance, and he, he, he beat in Cypher at Newbury on his seasonal return, two from two, stepping into a group race for the first time. Keep him on side is a nice horse, even if he gets beat uh, on, on Thursday, I reckon. 
Yeah, Alistair Hale was entered in this early on in the week and he's not running now uh, because he was the main danger I had behind highest ground. Yeah, there's also the Musadora of Franconia is the favourite for that, but we don't have time to go particularly in-depth on that. Moving over to the New Market July meeting, also on Thursday. It was the first time I worked in Timeform's editorial department last year, uh, the Thursday of the July meeting, or, as it was known back then, Visionari Day. <laughs> that went well. Uh, MBHA, 5-2, to two, Fav for the Princess of Wales as... 4-1 to one for Old Persian, 9-2 to two Alunak, 13-2 to two Communicate, 8 Santonia de Vega, 9 Desert Encounter, 10 Day Malio, and 25-1 to one Forest Rangers still knocking about, blessing. Uh, Jim, I really, really like Embihart, and it's a bit of a weird race, this. Yeah, she's certainly difficult to look against. Very, very progressive uh, last season, and we only saw her as a three-year-old to start off, but progressed with listed wins and, and three group twos. Uh, ran very well to finish third behind Annapurna on, I think it was Arc Day. Um, goes well on good ground. I don't think the step down to one mile four is, is any issue. Um, rock solid, really, I think. Um, however, I, I, there's something in the back of my brain that's telling me communicate on the Newmarket July course is exactly what he wants. Uh, he's two from two at the track. He won the July stakes as a two-year-old uh, over the over the course. And he's just taken a bit more to come to hand this season. I was quite disappointed with him on reappearance. I, I thought he, he would have probably run better than what he did. But uh, Charlie Johnson was talking uh, after Royal Ascot and said he's just taken a bit of time for him to tighten up and get more into his shape. Um, I, I've, and I think he loves the course. He won this last year. I, th- I think he's overpriced at seven to one. Oh, yeah, he, he, he did. He won at the July meeting, mate, not the July stakes, which is a race over six furlongs. As a two-year-old, he, he won that, didn't he? No, I'm sure he. I don't think so, mate. No, uh, most certainly. Uh, uh, 2017. Where have I pulled this from? Yeah, he's 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 never ran <laughs> over an extreme shorter than a mile, Jim. Why is my why is my notes here? This <laughs> You've been having some very very strange dreams, lad. Have I? I'm getting him mixed up with who's going oh, to win the Bombay Cup. Ah, <laughs> why? Have you got? Him mixed up? <laughs> yes. Jim's had a meltdown that. with his notes. Oh, meltdown! Paper everywhere. At least we know who's going to win the Bombay Cup now, Jim. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'd have remembered Communique winning over six months. <laughs> <laughs> you had a nightmare. Oh dear. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. No, Communique does love it at Newmarket. Unfortunately, he also loved it at Newmarket in June and he was shite then. Uh, so I'm quite happy to overlook him. If I was to go against them behind Matt, it'd be with Alunak. What do you make of the Hardwick Stakes runner up, pal? Um, he got less credit than he deserved when switching to this yard. He was, he was a smart performer in Germany and he was, he was raced internationally as well. He's only beaten two and a half lengths in a Breeders' Cup turf last season. Uh, the only problem I've got with him at this stage is his best form comes on good ground or softer. And the only time he was try- tried on good to firm, I don't know how much range Red's going to go at Newmarket this year. He was beaten 20-odd lengths in the Coronation Cup. If rain comes, that will certainly help his chances. 
just touching on Embihar, I was at I was at the first I was at the ARC meeting last year and I've got to say I don't know how on earth she wasn't promoted to either second or first in that race because that was an absolute battering ram of a ride yeah. <laughs> by Frank Tory with Anna Perna. I think three times I I was on Anna Perna that day, so I was counting my lucky blessings, but in hindsight, the the two behind her have been absolutely robbed of, of the higher places there. And you wouldn't expect that from the from the French stewards, especially with how harsh they are. Just going back to Alanak, though, I was looking at his profile earlier and thinking, gosh, he, he has the profile to be a, quite a smart performer over here, but go under the radar. And if, if the rain comes, I'd certainly be not be discounting his chances and wouldn't be surprised to see if he becomes much more well-fancied on the day. But sadly, I'm in agreement with, with Jim here. I'm, I'm going to give Communique one more chance, I think, because, God, he's, he's, he's a likeable horse, isn't he? Especially from the front. And he has got the class to do it at this level. And he may be worth... I, I did echo those, those thoughts from Charlie Johnson. That he said that he'd taken his time to come to hand this year. He was so disappointed in his first two starts. But if he's now coming to hand, this is a course that will certainly play to his strengths from the front. And it was a really, really smart performance last year. And I, would, I wouldn't entirely rule him out. He's almost getting towards last chance saloon now at this level. Mm. But I think he's worth it. I'd love to have seen him run over six as a juvenile. That would be fun. <laughs> I'm in pieces here. Oh, I'm broken. The thing with communicate is, I, I, I can see why the case is, but I'm very much, I like to have seen something this season. And there is no reason he should have been as bad as he was on, on Guinea's weekend. You know, I mean, everything on paper looked to be in his favour that day. And he just didn't look the same horse, and he wasn't particularly good at Royal Ascot. I'd I'd definitely be on the side of the fence that this is a, a declining animal, if I'm oh, honest. that's a bit unfair. He's only well, five. Two bad runs, and you, that's it? You're chucking him out of the window? Well, it's not, he wasn't great at the back end of last year either, was he? And he's he's always been a bit of a new market specialist, and he wasn't he hasn't done it at Newmarket this year yet. I could be completely wrong. I could be wrong. I could. I wouldn't be as worried about the ground for Alunak as you are, Matt. He, he's, he's running the Breeders' Cup came on good to firm ground, and that was probably a career best, even though, he were, even though he was fifth. So I'd be happy enough to take that with him. Jim, what do you make of old Persian? He's an horse that I've always struggled to get a grasp on. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm exactly the same. I, I remember going to the watch the Great Voltage yeah. And I, I remember sat watching it, and at the time I said to myself, I don't think this race will be that good. Uh, old Persian, we saw what he did. Cross Carlton Melbourne Cup, Kew Gardens kicked on to win loads of group ones. And, and I've oh, never. Really, horses, old Jim. They are, to be fair. However, I've never really just. Liked, he's not a likeable. I know that's isn't a <laughs> nice way to put him, but he's not like. He doesn't have. Tendencies to make me like him. Um, it's gonna crop this out and send it to the Godolphin John. Oh, please don't, please <laughs> don't. Um, Communicators finished in front of him in the coronation a uh, couple of years ago or a year ago. Uh, I, he's not, he's not for me. And I wasn't exactly impressed with his his return to racing. He, he ran against Way to Paris uh, in the Grand Prix de Saint Cloud the other weekend. He just dropped out at the back of the telly all of a sudden. Uh, very, very disappointed. Uh, certainly needs to improve from that, which I'm sure he will often because that was his, his return. However, 
I think MBH and Communique are the two that will be fighting out for the, for the places, and probably I might have a forecast playing that. Anything else you'd like to mention on the Princess of Wales's map? Uh, interesting enough with old Persian, I don't know. Did he? Does anyone know if he met with a setback during the winter? Because I was surprised they didn't race him out in Maidan, giving you one the Shima Classic in 2019. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's, yeah. that's an interesting comment, because I guess it's possible, but I guess we only got half a Maidan this year as well. Did, exactly, did he have he that also that year? Yeah, he won the City of Gold in early mm. March, and that was still run this year. It's just, just, just an observation whether he might strip fitter for this one, but... I wonder if they're going to aim him internationally again at the back end of the next season and go for the Canadian international at Woodbine because he won that last year in, in quite good style. He beat Thunder I in Blue, didn't he, he, last year? He did, and it would be a case of probably best to avoid him on this occasion, but keep him in mind for some international events which are not notoriously the strongest anymore but still have good prize money of, of grade one standard. In, in in the future, so it's it's an odd one. It's a, it's very much an odd profile, old person. I get what you mean about he's he's hard to not get a grasp of emotionally, but he's hard to really get a following for because just because of the way just the way of also he runs and and the manner of where he's racing. It's a very very trappy race to say the least. And it's a very very good renewal of the Group Two contest. Especially when you've got Antonio de Vega, who was a narrow fourth in the Group One at the end of last season at eight to one, and Desert Encounter, who was a dual winner of the Canadian International at eight to one as well. So, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a smart horse either rejuvenate their form here, or Embihar puts herself in the window of being real star quality. Yeah, it's it's, it's a fascinating one. I'm with I I think Embihar's the right favourite. I think yeah, for sure. I think Emmy has the one they've got to beat, but I I I I, I do like Alunak, and I think I'd I think I'd be with him. Though again, our comments are, aren't, aren't being particularly nice for the middle distance horse at the weekend. What with John Gosden saying on Sky Sports, you know, that the Derby's just a race for a future national hunt sires, and now we're <laughs> we're pointing horses at Woodbine, which is never a good sign. Uh, <laughs> uh, We'll just stick to the sprinters, shall we, from now on. Uh, there's also good two-year-old racing, of course, on the Tuesday, the July stakes. Like we've said, we're not we're not quite going to go over that, but Carder runner-up in the Coventry's in there, up against the Queen's Horse, the Windsor Castle winner, Tactical and Swiss Ace, brought over by Aidan O'Brien. Good two-year-old race at uh, clashing form lines from Royal Ascot there. Uh, as we move on to the Friday, which is the Fallen of Stakes. Uh, and they bet with Skybet General, even General, well, not with Skybet, even money, <laughs> Terabellum, even money favourite. 3 to 1 for Nazif, 7 to 2 1 Master, 8's Magic Wand uh, isn't jocked up, by the way. 10's uh, Agincourt and Peaceful also not jocked up. Will we see either of them? Probably not. 16 to 1 Billsden Brook, so wonderful. Also, none of the O'Brien horses are jocked up. Might bring one of them, but. I can't see it being peaceful on Magic One, given that they turned out last week. Uh, and under the stars is sixteen to one. Uh, Terry Bell's race to lose this, James. Yeah, and she's finally going to get a crowning glory to get a Grade One, uh, Group One, sorry, in the Phillies and Mares competition. I thought her run was exceptional last time. Uh, I was a massive fan of her last season. I was a massive fan of her returning the Dahlia. 
uh, over a mile and two. And, and I didn't think the dropping trip would have suited her in the Queen Anne. Uh, however, she ran an absolute cracker, just nutted on the line by Circus Maximus. Uh, back against the Phillies here. She should take all the beating, really. Um, fairly easy way. She's she's a likeable filly. Um, although Nazif is a perfect candidate to try and upset her here. Um, nigh on perfect record with, with five wins out of the six. Made hard work of that group two at Ascot last time. Just beating Ajin Kaur. Uh, I'm of the opinion that she might want a bit further now. Um, just on a on a last outing, she took some rousting long to get going, but when she did, she she soon rattled on. I think Terabellum's got too much speed for Nazif, and I think she's got a really really good chance. Yeah, I'm similar. I'd be surprised if the Godolphin horse doesn't win this. What about you, Matt? Uh, it's a great opportunity for her to get a group one on the board and for Godolphin and Frankie to Tory again, of course. That'll be a talking point. I wouldn't be betting with her at such the price she is at the minute, given that one master, I know she's unproven at a mile, but she's got such an attractive profile. and she's a, In fact, she's my favourite horse in training, given the way she, she races <laughs> and just is. She's a marvellous, marvellous filly. And when you see the name of the jockey, Pierre-Charles Boudot, next to her name you can't you can't ignore that they those two get on like a house on fire and in fact probably last year's renewal they were arguably unlucky because he had to switch he had to yeah. switch at right a crucial time and he she did stay on that day there's there's this rumor that she doesn't get the mile she did stay on that day and if she was to get better luck in running this time round, I'd, I'd really fancy her chances because she's proven at this level as well with Nazif I know James you know she wanted further but in both of her races this season so far she has raced slightly keenly I'm just trying to find where the pace angle in this contest would come from the only one I could see would be Bilsden Brook going Bilsden Brook or Terabellum going from the front and in fact just a mention for Bilsden Brook as well I love I love this mare as well she she has proven everyone wrong really with her her guineas fluke in inverted commas with her some chariot states win last year and she can always throw up a good race at a really decent price and I wouldn't be shocked if it was in this one either because she was coming into her last race when she was second off the back of a tough run in the Queen Anne States and she did race well enough in the list of race at Chelmsford last weekend it's whether she can handle the quick turnaround but I wouldn't be afraid to to back her for a place as well yeah she's she is a very very nice filly Bill's done broke a lot of time for her a lot of time for one master as well but like you said it's 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 the trip for me Matt it's just You've got one horse here who is clearly a Group 1 filly in open quality over a mile, whereas one master has that question mark above her. I don't think there's actually very much in terms of how good the pair of them actually are. Mm. You know, in, in peak conditions. Yeah. I, I think they could both achieve a, a very, very similar rating uh, if they were to both have a race ran to exactly how they wanted. Terrabellum's officially £2 better than one master. Uh, I expect it's actually slightly more than that over this trip and in these circumstances. I would be slightly more worried than Nazif. Uh, but like we said, Jim, after she after she won first time up this season, we said they'd be good if they don't get a group one with her this season. And they must be looking at the opposition here and licking the lips, I think, pal. Yeah, for sure. And I, I didn't think it would be over a mile because I thought a mile and two would probably be her ideal. However, she showed last time in open company in that Queen Anne that she she can kick it at a mile. So... 
I almost see it as an open goal. I, I, I can't see it getting beat at all. No. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised, mate. I'd be very surprised. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be shocked if she went off. Who's still offering five to four? Let's have a look. Someone's offering five to four on odds checker. Punish William, him. William Hill. Right. <laughs> I'll see you in ten minutes, lads. <laughs> the what's the minute? house on? Straight on. Straight on after his after his big bet on love. Oh, for the guineas and the old <laughs> blessing. Uh, just just to point something out quickly. Is it possible we could have two potential winners on Arc Day in this same race at, at completely different distances? The Opera and the Foray. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got one master. I'm sure she's being primed for a, a triple bid in the in the Foray. And Terabellum was fifth in the uh, Opera last year, and I'm sure it won't be as strong this time around. She's more of a complete article. It's just just a point that again we can look, be looking back on this race. At the end, in, when it's when it's snowing finally in winter, and hopefully we're finally allowed back on a racetrack, and thinking, wow, this is a, actually a cracking race. Yeah, and the day before we could see the Abbey winner communicate reverting back to sprint trips like he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> God's sake! Move on. I wouldn't put it amongst Johnston to do that. No, he loves a sprinter, doesn't he? <laughs> yep. Uh, also on the Friday, boys, we've got uh, the. It used to be the Cherry Hinton, it's the Duchess of Cambridge now. The Cherry Hinton's a much better name, there's too much Royal Bollocks in racing. The Cherry Hinton's a fun name, call it that. Dan Dalla, winner at Royal Ascot, she's 5-4, to 5 to go back in. Although it's also a little bit strange how... I like obviously being a Yorkshireman, I like my rugby league, and I like my rugby league representation. But if you're going to call a horse Fev Rover, don't do it to a two-year-old filly. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Fev Rovers and Snowball who should be running in the Ida chase. Yeah, ten, ten year old staying chaser. Yeah, not a, not a precocious <laughs> two year old filly. Jesus Christ, named after a rugby league team. However, I'd have much preferred it if they, they, they. Yeah, I'd, I'd have much preferred it if they'd named their two year old filly the Batley Bulldog. Oh, I. Oh, I. It just. It's, it doesn't sound right, does it? It just doesn't sound right. Uh, Timescale's also in there as well. Really nice filly. For Qatar racing, Tied concessions in. wins. Jit Watson's obsessed with concessions. Uh, she's in there as well. It's a tidy little race as well. The summer plates out, of course, as well on the Friday. Again, oh, I wish I could talk about the summer jumpers. Bags Groove, probably the headline act in there, entered. Very, very smart horse. I've got a lot of time for. Missed all of last season. Hopefully he could be back to his best if he turns up there in love the quick ground. And it's also worth mentioning that the Kilbegan Midlands National <laughs> is on Friday. <laughs> oh, what a rock break. I'm, get, I'm getting my slow boats in there. Don't you worry about that. It can be midsummer. We can have two-year-old races and we're going to ignore them for the Midlands National because Janworth's in there. And guess what? He wasn't shite last time. <laughs> Do, we've been we, doing this we mentioned, for two years, Jim, and it's the first time I've said Yanworth wasn't shite last time out. <laughs> we mentioned the Bellius Town Maiden uh, last week, so uh, who knows? <laughs> she didn't even get in. I know, <laughs> which I found hilarious. Oh dear. Uh, well, how can you call a national a national when it's over three miles, one furlong? Correct. Jesus Christ! All I'm saying as well, though, is I'm on I'm on the Yanworth 2021 Champion Hurdle boat as well as an 11 year old to come back to his right best, <laughs> do justice. Oh, superb! 
Oh, it'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Who would, who would win a two-mile hurdle nowadays between Yanworth and Mythical? Do we know? <laughs> that horse Yanworth. has got JP written all over him, the poor bugger. So, <laughs> so too does Sir Dragon A. Sir Dragon oh. A will be, will be seeing him over Timber at Thurless come January. Yeah, <laughs> we'd be surprised if the pair of them have bollocks this time next year. Uh, <laughs> to the Saturday boys, and it is the big race of the... July meeting, it is of course the July Cup uh, good race this year as well I love my, I say I'm, I'm a slow boat man on the on over the jumps and I'm a sprint man on the flat and I don't actually have the betting for this because it's only showing about five horses at the minute, Jim can you run us through it lad? Yeah, Golden Horn heads the market 11-4 to four with Skeptical at 9-2 in second the third here is Hello Yumsian, 11 to 2. Sevens for Cardem, 10s for Threat, 14s for Oxted, and 16 to 1 by the field. Now, we do have Cardem in this for the Turf Talk 12 uh, from Racing Willow. Never been a horse I've got hype, the hype over whatsoever. But I have always quite liked Hello Yumsian. And once again, mate, seeing as he's a bigger prices here, Sky Better showing me six horses' prices. One of them's Hello Yumsain, the other one's Skeptical. Why is Hello Yumsain a bigger price once again? It's it's blowing my mind. Nine to two Skeptical, eleven to two Hello Yumsain is mental. Um, Hello Yumsain, Sprint Cup winner last season, won the Diamond Jubilee first time out this year. Went out from the front, broke. I've never seen a horse break as good as him in such a high quality race. Absolutely flew out the gates. Um, I've got a question mark with him at Newmarket. He's never never ran at Newmarket. His form is mostly on flattish courses. Um, and also, I do think he needs a bit of digging the ground. As much as I was a big fan of him winning the Diamond Jubilee last time out, I think them conditions suited him specifically. However, at Newmarket, when the ground's a little bit more rattling, it's good to firm at the minute. I'm not exactly on side with him. That's interesting, mate. So, would you be with the other turd talk horse in this Golden Horde who did the job for us in the Commonwealth Cup? No. Ooh, go on. Threat. Ten to one. Uh, Jim Crack and Champagne Stakes winner last season. Uh, reappeared in the St. James's Palace over a mile. He was a tad keen. Went wide. Then went with Wichita to the front. Just couldn't kick on after the, uh, with, after the two furlong pull and slowly backpedalled. Last season, we saw him sprinting distances were certainly his thing. If he's retained any of his ability from his two-year career, which he showed glimpses of it in, in the uh, St. James's Palace, I think he's bang there in this. I think 10 to 1's an outstanding price for him. Um, ridden prominently. O'Shea Murphy knows the horse well. He, he rode him uh, in the gym crap last season. And I think he wrote, I think Pat Dobbs rode him in the Champagne Sticks. However, O'Shea rode him last time out. I think he's massively overpriced. And stepping back to six, he certainly is thing. I would have quite liked to see Mum's tipple in this. Jesus Christ. <laughs> no. The thing with Mum's tipple, I know he's not here, and I don't know... Well, I know why you've brought him up, and it irritates me that you've brought him up. Because now I'm going to have to talk about him. But the thing that blags my head is that it just wasn't a flash in the pan. Because his maiden has worked out really, really well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and that's, that's what irritates me. If if it was just a one-off thing and he'd gone and bashed Rayong out, who's also won today at York, and you think, oh yeah, fair enough, flash in the pan. But it wasn't because he beat uh, 
what's the horse called? The Hamdam horse. Mon, 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 ah, I don't, I don't know. The Jersey Stakes winner. Can't remember his name off the top of my head. Oh, Malathan. Malathan. That's the one. And he's maiden, and you know there was other tidy horse in there. Surf dancer, I think, who was fairly reasonable. And you're looking at him now, and you just think, oh my days. What has happened? How was a horse? It's De Bruyne horse 2.0, boys. Uh, <laughs> that's harsh. Christ. That's, 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 that is scathing. He'll be running around Chelmsford in four years, I'll tell you that now, boys. Uh, horrible. Matt, what do you make of the July Cup? It's a really good renewal bringing together the, the winners of the Commonwealth Cup and the... and the. What, Jubilee? Is it now, Jim? Diamond? Diamond Jubilee. Not a golden Jubilee, as you call it the other way. It used to be. Uh, and obviously sceptical, the rapid horse from Ireland for, for uh, master of fair play, Dennis Hogan. <laughs> God uh, dear. Well, they're betting, they're look, looking at the betting, they're betting like there's a, uh, there's a, there's a job on for sceptical there. Um, Golden Horn does set the form standard on hit Golden Horde. Sorry, not Golden Horn. That'd be even more interesting to see him running here as well. That's like communicating I think we should. I think we should bring Golden Horn back out of retirement and communicate back down to juvenile status <laughs> just to see what they do. <laughs> just to see. Just to see what happens. Um, but Golden Horde, that he ran in a, in the a, a middle park stakes last year, which has worked out to be incredibly strong since. And I had doubts about that at the start of the season. A really good win last time round. Skeptical reservations about, especially in the Irish Sprint Division form, as well. It's it's a tough one, but at prices, I'm I'm I don't know it shouldn't be, but each way appeal at twenty to one at this stage is for me again. I, I can't believe I'm saying this is Brando. Oh my god! <laughs> right, good night, God bless you, Venus machine. <laughs> Brando, all because he's what was he, in the last in two thousand and seventeen from against Harry Angel, he was where was he third. The year after he was second, and last year was an in, well, it was an incredibly hot renewal last year, even more so than this year's. And he wasn't ultimately disgraced. Maybe he just takes more time to come to himself this year, this time round. But he's a bit of a legend, and I wouldn't. It, it would only be a minuscule amount to have oh. him each way. But there's question marks over a lot of his rivals, especially the likes of Oxted. Even threat Cardam, I cannot have Cardam for the life of me, and I bet he goes up and wins by about six or seven lengths now. Equilateral is the ultimate gag job at this sort of level, and I could I could only have Golden Horde the favourite, and even Brando sneaking into a place. It's, it's ridiculous. Maybe lockdown's finally got to me, but <laughs> that's the uh, man who's not that Brando on his last two starts. <laughs> no, most certainly not. I thought I thought there was a bit more hope last time round at Newcastle um, when he didn't ultimately get much of the rub of the green he did have an awkward start that day and that's always a massive concern for me but I dare say Golden Horde is he's, 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 he's the form standard and Clive Cox and Adam Kirby they know what to do with a sprint horse especially in this race and I think he'll prove very very hard to beat Oh mate, I tell you what, it takes a man with with a big pair of bollocks on him to come onto this podcast and tip Brando to win a group one. Oh at the age of eight, fair play to your pal. He will, he will, he, he will, he will place in this race once more before going to absolutely hack up in the pre Morris de Geest once more. I will write a public apology to you and whoever you would like, right? 
if Brando wins this race, I will do whatever you want. Get your ass out in Goshen. I'd like to... Yeah. We can organise that. If we Brando wins. Because I'm 100% sure that he won't. Uh, I think I see... Well, not pretty simple. But I do think the top end of the sprinters is a fairly decent established order at the minute. That Golden Horde is the best of the three-year-olds. And that Hello Humes ends the best of the older horses. Over six furlongs. Skeptical's good, but he needs five. Uh, getting weight, I think Golden Horde's got more room for improvement. And therefore, and he's probably better suited to this ground. And therefore, I think he's he's a likeliest winner. And I think he'll win. Beating Hello Humes, I know I think the second best in this race. Uh, Oxton might be interesting. 14 to 1 each way. He's clearly going the right way. Not sure it was the best running of the Abenant that he won. But he's one of these that are, that is going the right way and he's, he's progressing rather than regressing. I don't think it would take much more for him to be, you know, fourth or third. So he might be a fair each way, but at 14 to 1. I know it's, I know I'm, it's very, very boring, but I, I do think Golden Horde's the sort of horse that you could look at and see in winning multiple Group 1s this season. Yeah, I, I think Golden Horde will win yeah. the race. I just think for the, from the value perspective, 10 to 1 about threat, I think a decent price. What do you think of threat, Matt? Um, he blags my head a bit. Uh, I thought when, was it the, when, when the gym cracked last year when I was on course, I thought he was very, very impressive. And I know that they've tried to sort of force him to be a miler, in my opinion. I think even in the Champagne States, he was, he was tying up at the end and mm. didn't ultimately cry that he needed the mile. It wasn't a bad run in hindsight after quickly being turned out in the middle park afterwards. Um, I'd, I, I'm, quite, I'm more happy that they're going here than they are for the pre-Jean Pratt because I think he possesses more scope as a sprinter. I think Richard Hannon's a bit in two minds where to aim him so far at present I think this will be more of a learning curve for some targets later on in the season but ultimately I think it'll be really nice if he wins because I remember watching him on his debut uh, the 1000 guineas day last mm. year and he was he was friendless in the market that day but really showed uh, possessed a lot of high quality to win in the way the way he did and he's just typically he's a consistent performer it's going to be interesting. I wouldn't want to put back my house on him, but it'll be an interesting watcher of him for future targets down the line. Because again, he's in he's in that sort of difficult bracket of do they pursue a sprinting career or do they go up to a mile or then try him again at seven furs, which I didn't think he was ultimately that comfortable at. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Look to sprinting all all day long. I could I could see why they tried them out, but I I am like you. I felt it always was well. We might as well try rather than any sort of confidence. Uh, I can see why you think ten's a fair price, Jim. I'd I'd have him a shade or two shorter than that if I was pricing this race up. Not having seen, not having seen, I'd I'd, I'd definitely rather be with Fret at tens and Cardem at six to one. Sorry, Willow. Uh, He'd he'd be the he'd be the life for me, even though he was all right at Ascot last time out. Uh, Jim, the big handicap on Saturday is the Bunbury Cup. Uh, 
He's going to win this one. <laughs> if you haven't guessed who I fancy in this, it's Card Sharp. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he, the same colours. Um, he, he ran horrendously so far this season. And he's had a pretty tough campaign. However, the handicap has dropped him too far below his last winning mark now. He was fourth in this race in 2018. He's got good course form winning the July stakes as a <laughs> two-year-old. Um, I think seven's furlong suits him more than a mile. Johnston won this race last year with Vale of Kent. I think he's overpriced at 20s. I think he could bounce back to form. You see these Johnston sort of horses running these big field handicaps fairly often. And they often run stinkers and, and put in a, a pretty decent performance. Um I think he's a decent price. When I last looked this morning, I think he was about 20s. I don't know if I've, I've just lost the page. Um, however, let's have a look. Card sharp. 25s. 33s. 33s. Uh, I think 33s on the day, five places, six places maybe even. I think that's a good price. And I, I certainly want not underestimate Sabuska. I know he's on a career high mark now. Uh, Pope six pound for that silver hunt cup victory, but he's a four year old and he's, he's going the right way. Um, and Murphy again riding him, um, uh, and his his form at Newcastle's backed up strongly. Uh, I certainly won't underestimate him in this. I, uh, an interesting race because he took Godhead in, who's unexposed over this. Lewis will probably tip Brian Epstein once again. I, I don't know what he's going to do because it's Brian Epstein and Raising Sand. Oh, it's not Ascot, mate. So Raising Sand doesn't doesn't get backed away from Ascot. Uh, <laughs> I think Brian's better over a mile as well, so I might pass him pass him over on this one. I know he's fav, but the obvious one's Motti Kael. Yeah, I've I've got the main thing next to him in his group. Uh, could be a group horse in the making. Yeah, very much so. If there is one in here, it's him. Yeah, very likely race four-year-old. He's good seasonal reappearance in the Buckingham Palace. He, he could be a really nice horse in the making. And he's won over this course and bit hurt previously. Yeah, that that would probably be where I'd, I'd be landing. Oh, I find it interesting that Verboten is a fairly short price at 12-1. to 1. Again, bear in mind he's been... Well, he has. He's flopped both starts this season. Yeah. Uh, I, I can give him give him excuses for first time at Lingfield. Is I do think he's a quite a nice horse, mate. But and he's a sort of horse I can I can see popping up in something like this. But I'd be wanting bigger than twelves about him. So I, I find it interesting that there's a bit of market support for him. I know, Matt, you said you, you're not had a chance to properly look in depth into the Bunbury Cup, but just just with being aware of the runners, is there anything that catches your eye slightly? Uh, it might be worth taking a chance on the other Hamdan Almak too. Sort in, in Mutamarsic. He's only up two pounds for an encouraging run in the Buckingham Palace Stakes last time round. So he's got less. He's got less harsh treatment from the handicapper compared to some of the other re-opposing rivals. Um, he did hold every chance that day though, which is quite concerned. He couldn't find much in 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 that sphere. There's no much, not much of a hard luck story for him. But he is a, a good winner. Over course and distance last August as well. I think he was his three length winner of a, of a handicap, albeit at a much lesser level. Uh, I'd echo James's thoughts on Sabosca. I think there's a lot more progression to come from him at this stage, and he won going away in that contest. The only other that maybe a minimal case can be made for would be 
the top weight Vale of Kent, who I know top uh, top weights have done relatively okay in this in the past compared to some other races, and the, the win, previous winners come out and run very good races without winning in this race since. I think Heaven's Guest springs to mind in the past, so it might be worth just seeing how he is, but he has been raced quite busily this season so far. It is for runs next to his name, but the only the other so the horse two horse for me would be Mutamarsic and uh, probably Sabuska just preferred. Yes, yeah, competitive it looks on paper the Bunbury Cup this year. Very competitive. I, I know I said last week the Coral Charge looked at that stage. Obviously the the final field didn't quite stack up to be as deep as it may have looked on the Thursday before all decks were out. But again it looks like as as good a handicap as we've seen this season. Uh, the Bunbury Cup. We've also got the superlative stakes on Saturday. Will we see another good old boy, Luke? I definitely hope so. Uh, battlegrounds in there for Aidan O'Brien. Hopefully he turns up and backs up his Chesham Stakes win. Uh, these these loads these loads this weekend. The, the Summer Mile at Ascot, the Group Two. That that normally tends to be quite a decent race. Mohaffa. 3-2-1 fab for that for Marcus Stragonin. Got no sort of run at Royal Ascot. Remains a horse with loads of potential. His opposition on paper looks looks to mainly come from Marie's Diamond, third in the Queen Anne, and Century Dream, who won the DMED Scardu. Duke of Hazard, Lords, Clitter, Zake. Also entered practically the whole host of the sort of Group 2 Mile Brigade. They're all going to have a crack at that. Uh Jim, anything else you're keen on this weekend? Uh, Kips, he's back out. Maybe he might finally be able to get his head in front. He's he, he's out on Saturday. Um, the Bahrain Trophy. Uh, what did I had? Uh, Dawn Rising written down. He's a he's a horse that that step up in chip will certainly suit him. Uh, he's around three to one. Uh, it's a really really good week of racing to be honest. Starting from starting on Thursday. Uh, hopefully ITV showcase the best of it and we can see it all on ITV Jim hello Jim what Sam Cook is he is he running where's he running Sam Cook is declared in the Bet365 trophy at 3 o'clock on Newmarket on Friday over one mile and six furlongs rather he's a best price 14 do you 14 to 1 Right, I'm, I'm just going to leave again. <laughs> 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 is Aloe Vera entered again this weekend, or, or does she even exist? Uh, we don't know, mate. I would, we don't know. Four weeks in a row. Give it, give, it, give it to the 11th hour, she still won't turn up. <laughs> she's got up the past two weeks as well. The first, <laughs> the first two I've, I've put her up a couple of days before and said, oh, I really like this filly. I hope she turns up. Ah, it's just an entry, doesn't matter. The last two she's been jocked up and she's still not ran. And she's still not ran. And she'll probably go and win somewhere on a Tuesday and I won't have a chance to talk about her on podcast. <laughs> so we'll make it. Uh, also in Sam Cook's race, Jim, it's a freebies entered for Richard Spencer. Uh, nice to see the 2016 Neptune working out well with the runner-up running in a... Midlands National and the third running in a handicap on the flat on the July meeting. Not really sure that's what the Neptune's for. Uh, but, we, uh, but we'll go from there. Uh, Jim, guess where the Tipperary Stakes is on Saturday, on Sunday? 
And I'm presuming the fact that you've said this makes me think it's not at Tipperary. Yeah, it's at Cork. <laughs> That's stupid, isn't it? It is. Uh, anything more from you, Matt? Uh, just on the Sunday as well, the Bally Sack Stakes is now run at Dundalk, so it's essentially a Breeders' Cup classic trial, praise the Lord. But Galileo Chrome is running in that race for Joseph O'Brien. He's entered at the stage, and he had none other than Serpentine behind him last time out when winning a maiden narrowly, but in quite nice style at the Curra in early June. So he's one to keep a note of. And I believe it's pre-Jean Pratt weekend on Sunday in Deauville. Yes, it is. It is. Dubo is going to get his group on this season. Back over seven furlongs. If he loses this, lads, oh my days. Surely this is this is golden opportunity in big flashing letters. <laughs> You'd hope, wouldn't you? Even I sure. don't think he's not a backable price line. Not at all, but he's, even Sheikh Mohammed's agreed not to run Earthlight in this race as well to try and get him his group one. It's absolutely cracking team play. <laughs> we love that. Yeah, Galileo Chrome, fascinating. That that made anyone's working worked out really well. Of course, we like Galileo Chrome because he's by Australia. In fact, we're going to start taking the piss out of him, Jim. We're going to start calling him Galileo Chrome de Vega. <laughs> I like that race, <laughs> that, the Galileo Chrome... Uh, maiden King of the Throne, who I thought was going to win the Irish Derby at sixty six. I, I like I like that race. Yeah, it's, it's it is. He should win that as well, Galileo Chrome. Yeah, he's a, the only he's one I'd nice. say against it. There's another horse in there. I remember watching at Leopardstown because they did the card for it. There's a horse of Aidan O'Brien's called Newman, who oh, was very yeah. very impressive in his maiden victory. The form of that hasn't worked out entirely well since. With the second, who was an odds-on shot that day, was beaten at Nason at the weekend. But he, there was a lot of rage about that victory, and it, it's going to be a really fascinating race, actually. And in fact, probably more fascinating than it usually is. Yeah, he was workman like that day, Newman. I, I like that. And also, sorry, I keep finding more horses on my tracker. Darren is finally out on Wednesday at Newbury. Um, looking forward to seeing him. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, hopefully he can justify that massive price tag that he had um, and and get his head in front. Um, so, yeah, really, really interesting week. Yeah, good novice chase at Stratford tomorrow as well. Five horses rated. He said about his first title last season. But I will end on the flat. The meld stakes is at Leopardstown on Saturday as well. Mad Moon's entered. Ooh. Interesting to see what he can do Ooh. as a four-year-old. Don't quite feel like he hit the heights that lots of people expected him to last year, especially after his runs in the Guineas and Derby. I think a lot of people were kind of thinking, right, we get this horse over ten furlongs and he wins a lot. Hasn't quite happened. Looks like a really good starting point for him. The race, the Group Three over nine furlongs. Uh, that's all from me. Uh, anything else from the pair of you two lads? Shall we do our nap next best and reserve? Yeah, I think it's time. I think it's that time of the podcast, mate. I, there's nothing else I, I particularly want to bring up. Uh, Matt, I'll let, I'll let you go first, mate. Rating the races, nap comp, uh, and nap, and next best in a reserve. Oh God, on the spot straight away. Um, boring one, but nap will be golden horde in the July Cup. I'll go a bit more outwards in the next best, and that will be one master in the Falmouth Stakes and the reserve. 
Cool. I'm going to go for Galileo Chrome in the ballet sax. I like that. Jim, what about you, pal? Uh, I'm going to go Nat Pye's ground. I think you'll win the Dante. Easy as that. Next best, uh, Terrabellum. Not, not, nothing flashy this weekend. Uh, Ice ground, Terrabellum, and we'll go, uh, we'll have communicating the Prince of Wales as the reserve. Oh, I was going to say, I'm glad you've come up with one there because, because your first two, you'd have ended up with a treble paying about, what, 64? Yeah. <laughs> Two shirts, though. Why not? I'm going to nap Sam Cook. What the boy? Once again, we can name the podcast. Lewis Tips, 14 to 1 nap. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually going to be that again. Are we going to reuse that? Are we going to be that scumbaggy? (laughs) 14 to 1 nap again. Two weeks in a row. Uh... Jesus, yeah, hopefully he'll turn up at some point. Uh, my, my, my next best is boring, but it is going to be Golden Hod. He's just really, really solid, isn't he? Uh, like to think he'll get the job done, uh, in the July Cup. And my, and my reserve. See, I'm wanting to come up with something a little bit more original than, than maybe highest ground. But it probably will be. No, do you know what? Let's go for Mohafferys, 3-1, to one in the summer mile at Ascot. Yeah. What about Brando? No, right, that's it. Time to finish. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mohaffer, to be fair to him, did... He, I know he was seventh, but he shaped like the third best horse in that race. Mm-hmm. So, I think 3-1's to one, three to one's a, a more than fair price for him to, to win Ascot's big race on Saturday. It's not with the John Smith's Cup this weekend as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, boo, why don't we have that? I missed that. Uh, this jump racing battle, Peregrine Runs won a race. I'm happy. Thanks a lot to everyone for listening. Thanks to Matt for joining us. Not a problem, lads. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, uh, thanks to Watson for... Turning up once again every week. Consistent yeah. as ever, spouting rubbish and then finding out that he's talking about the wrong horse. Yeah, smashing. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever thanked you, mate, to be fair, on the podcast. Uh, I thank myself as well. Thanks to me for being great uh, and good-looking. And uh, we'll see you all again very soon. See you soon. Stay safe. See you later.